but let's start by reading verse 1 here in Luke chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place that he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, he's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Let's open in prayer this morning. Father God, we just thank you that we can come together and, and share um, in a message. Uh, regardless of the circumstances that face us with weather and anything else that may be going on, Lord, I pray that you would just be honored in our time together, that, Lord, we would glorify your name, that we would lift this up to you today, and that, God, that regardless of whether we can meet in the same room or not, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each heart, that each one would be touched by you. And Father, we just thank you for bringing us together virtually today and giving us the technology to be able to come together in this way. Lord, I pray you be with those that are out and about in the weather today. Be with those who are working on the roads, those who are uh, working emergency services. Uh, Lord, I also ask that you would just continue to be with those who are facing this storm, uh, whatever the outcome of certain circumstances may be, because, Lord, we know that this storm is more than just a snowstorm here in our area. Lord, there's tornadoes, there's uh, thunderstorms, there's much going on. Uh, that we've heard about just this morning. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, be glorified, that you would be lifted high, and that, Lord, you would be um, given praise from us today. We pray this in your holy, precious, and wonderful name. Amen. Again, we thank you for joining us here on the, um, for the message today, Luke 19, chapter uh, 19, verses 1 through 10. The story of Zacchaeus, a man of small stature, a man who the world looked down upon, not just literally, but uh, in every aspect of who he was. Um, he was a tax collector. He was, as the scripture tells us, small in stature. He uh, was not a man who necessarily was um, greeted gratefully by the folks that he encountered. But he did everything that he could in order to get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. I want to focus on that today with this encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing for us to look at, and I honestly believe that it's a beautiful thing that we can learn some things from today. He was a rich man. He was a rich man and a tax collector. You can put the two together. Uh, you can figure out what that might mean. You can figure out that he probably garnered some of the wages that he got from the taxes he collected. If you know anything about that, the tax man got what the tax man wanted. And that time period, and even maybe today in some places, you collect a number of taxes. Uh, whether you need them all or not, the tax man would 
find out what Rome wanted. They would find out what the uh, government would take, and then they would turn around with that, and they would add their own taxes on top. They would give that number to the person who needed to pay taxes. Then they would turn and give what was required to the government. And in the process, they would make their money doing just that, breaking the law, so to speak, stealing out of the hands of those who were paying their taxes. But what they were doing is they were taking the money and then they would take what they wanted off the top and give what was required of the taxes. So the people didn't maybe necessarily know. I mean, they, they knew. Everyone knew that the tax man was probably um, breaking them uh, on purpose, that he was doing it to make his own money. Now, what we can also recognize is that the tax man was not very well liked by his peers. And we none like to uh, give all we own to the tax man, but sometimes we have to. And we understand the, the perspective from that point of view that the that taxes are not something we really want to pay. But here we are with Zacchaeus, and the text that we read today tells us that he was a man who climbed a tree so that he could see Jesus. And so there's more to this story. Now, this is taking place in Jericho. So as we look at this, Jesus enters into Jericho, and this is the first city that the children of Israel had captured um, we, we know the story from Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, the, the march around the walls. It's the first city that they capture. Now, as I told you a few weeks ago, I probably will not do these encounters in order uh, from start to finish. I'm probably not going to go through and say, well, here was his next encounter. I want us to be able to use this to speak to us in a way that the Lord wants, you know, I, I trust him to lead me to talk about these things. Well, he led me to Zacchaeus this week. And, and I think that we can all garner something from this. But this is one of the last stops that Jesus makes. He hadn't necessarily been to Jericho his entire ministry. This is toward the end of the ministry. We're in Luke 19, which means that we're just a few days away from the triumphal entry. But he's on his way back and he stops in Jericho and he stops in Jericho for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to see the tax man about salvation. So as we look at this, you know, remember the spies went into the land, they found Rahab, and now Jesus goes into the land and he finds Zacchaeus. So as we look at this story, Jericho was the first city for the Israelites, but Jesus didn't visit it till one of his last trips toward Jerusalem. And it's amazing that just as Rahab and her household were saved, so was the tax collector and his. Now, when we look at that and we think about that, the Old Testament, it was a woman who was a harlot who was no doubt at the bottom rung of the social ladder. Someone that everyone would have looked down upon because of her profession, because of what uh, it meant, and because of who she was. And here we see Jesus doing the same. Jesus going in and speaking to someone that no one would give the time of day, going in and finding him where he was and calling him to, to, to take him home, to, to go and offer him dinner. And he was hated by everyone, and there's no small wonder. I mean, the Bible does say the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So when we think about that, it, it's evident in the ministry of Christ. 
that those who don't necessarily garner the, the public spectacle, those that don't necessarily sit well with the community, sometimes are the ones that Jesus is seeking. Sometimes they're the ones that he uses. And, and if you feel that maybe you are the lowest of the low, just recognize that maybe, just maybe you are in position to be used, to be saved, whatever your need might be. God may be willing and ready to meet that. Because sometimes when you're at that place in your life, you have nothing left. You have no friends. You have no one who wants to be a part of your life because of who you are. But we'll get to some of that here in a moment. I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter your social status. Your social status should never matter within the kingdom of God. And it doesn't when it comes to the king. Jesus doesn't care about our social status. We see that in how he reached out to those that society said was worthless. He reached out to those that society said were sinful. He reached out to those and he gave them everything that he did, just the same as he did anyone else. So when we look at this, it doesn't matter what your position or your job may be. It doesn't matter what your neighbors might think of you. When God has a plan for your life, his will will prevail. When God has a plan for you, his will will prevail. He will be raising you up to do what he would have you to do. And it will change your life. That encounter with Christ will change you. So when we look at this, it's not by accident that we look and see that Joshua went into Jericho and found Rahab. It's not by accident that Zacchaeus climbed a tree and Jesus was able to find him. Those were plans of God that God planned for those two to find salvation in Jericho in those circumstances. See, it's funny though when we look at the two stories side by side. Rahab was able to lower the spies down, was able to save their lives, and when the time came, they were uh, able to protect her and her family and offer salvation. You have Rahab who is saving Joshua. Jesus, who is, um, you know, and then in turn, God saving Rahab. But Joshua and Jesus, Joshua is almost like a savior figure we see in the Old Testament. And the name comes from the same root, Yeshua. That would be the name that Joshua had. It's the name that Jesus was called. And when we think about that, those two stories and the similarities that are taking place here, that God using those to save the, the one on the bottom of the social ladder, the one on the bottom of the social spectrum. So God is salvation is what Joshua means. It, it, it is the name, means God is salvation. So when we look at this, Jesus entered into Jericho and he noticed this man perched in a tree, the man who had climbed a tree trying to get to Jesus, trying to see him because there's something in him that said, I need to see this man. I need to see who Jesus did. He couldn't see over the crowd. But in his desire to see Christ, he climbs a tree to get above everyone. And Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down. Quickly, quickly come. I need to spend time with you. I need to be with you. I need to um, come to your house. Now, he could have said that to anyone that was around. 
But he chooses a man who has climbed a tree to get a glimpse of him. A man who has put himself out a little bit to, to catch just a glimpse of the Savior. And Jesus looks up and says this. I mean, isn't it funny how sometimes when we are just looking out of curiosity that Jesus calls us? Sometimes maybe, uh, I know many who have just said, well, I'm curious of what's going on in the church, and they've stepped foot in a sanctuary, and then by the end of the service, they have been called by the Savior. Folks, that's no accident. Our curiosity gets the best of us sometimes, and sometimes it brings us to the best we can act. Sometimes our curiosity will bring us into a place where we can be saved, where we can find salvation in the midst of the turmoil that we're facing in life. And Zacchaeus, in his curiosity, climbs a tree. And Jesus finds him and says, come, I'm going to your house today. Maybe this is the case with some of us who are a part of this right now. Maybe this is a case you thought you were just logging on. Your curiosity about why we were going live on a Sunday morning uh, and you know, you're watching this video maybe. You, you just wanted to see what was said. Well, hopefully you'll stick around for the end because I promise you, you will not leave this message the same if you will truly listen to what Christ is saying to us in his word. But what we see here is that we're just trying to get a glimpse of what everyone else is watching. We're trying to get a glimpse of what everyone else is seeing and Zacchaeus climbs the tree trying to catch a glimpse of what is going on. And ultimately, Jesus comes walking in and says, come, take me to your house. Maybe this is you now. Maybe you're going through a hard time. You're in the process of separating yourself from the people that are around you. Maybe you've been going through difficult times and you're starting to question the relationships that you have, people that judge you by the things that you used to do and not the things that you now do. We all change. We all go through seasons in life. And our past sometimes continues to ride along beside us. And we say we're not that person anymore. We're not this person anymore. But there's this person that's remembered. And folks don't want to soon forget that person. But Christ has forgotten who that person was. He sees you as you are now. And he calls you in that moment. And he says, come dine with me. I mean, it does not matter what kind of person you were before you got saved. It does not matter what you were doing the day before you got saved. It does not matter any of those things. Now, you may have to pay an earthly price for something you've done, but hear me out. It does not matter what you were before you were saved. And the reason I say that is because it doesn't matter if you were the biggest harlot in town like Rahab. It doesn't matter if you were the most hated man in the streets like Zacchaeus. It doesn't matter for those things. The Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The Bible uses the foolishness of the world to confuse and confound the wise. The wise among earthly standards sometimes don't get it right. It's confusing to them what God is doing in the lives of some people. And they just can't grasp what God can and will do, especially in the lives of someone that they have already prejudged and already established that they're something different than they are. Now, what's happening here is Paul said that in, in the scripture, he says, this 
one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press on, forgetting what's behind, pressing on for what's ahead. Folks, you've got a past. We all have a past. Sometimes that past creeps up on us. Sometimes that past wants to remind us of who we were. The devil is the great accuser and would love to destroy you by reminding you of the things that you've done in your past that make you unworthy of the sacrifice that Christ gave. But understand this, who you were does not matter to Christ. Who you are once you were saved is what matters to him. If you are the same person before and after, then you've not been saved. But when Christ walks in, when he steps into your life and he calls you down out of that tree like Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to your house, and he promises salvation, that salvation will change you. And you can hear that salvation in Zacchaeus' words. You can hear what he says and recognize it in those words. So hear what I'm saying today. Forget about the past and move forward to what God has for you in salvation what he is doing now and what you will become because of what he's doing in you. See, this encounter changed Zacchaeus. And what we can recognize from this encounter is that Christ will come right where we are. He will find us where we are. Zacchaeus was just looking for a glimpse. He climbed a tree and Jesus walked straight to that tree. And he says, come down quickly. Come to your house. I'm, I'm dining with you tonight. I want to spend time with you. Have you climbed a tree trying to just get a glimpse of what everyone else is talking about? Are you in the midst of trying to capture that moment so that you can see? It? Maybe he's walking right at you right now. And he's, you hear that voice saying, come, let's, let's go dine. Let's go sup together. Let's go spend some time together. See, the point of the story that really grabbed me is the fact that Zacchaeus separated himself from the crowd. Now, understand this. Maybe he didn't realize what he was doing. We can say that. But Zacchaeus knew to get a glimpse of Jesus, he had to separate himself from the crowd. How can I get a glimpse of what he's doing? How can I get a glimpse of this man? So he separates and he climbs a tree. Now, that may seem simple. It may seem silly. But, but hear what I'm saying today. He was not just going to stand back and watch the crowds and try to peek through the holes. And, and, and be a part of the crowd, he knew to, to see Christ, he had to get away from the crowd. He knew that to see Christ, he had to get above that. Now, I'm not saying he was higher than anyone else in the, in the crowd. He wasn't putting himself on a pedestal. He was just simply trying to get a view. But I will tell you this, he was not going to stand back and watch the crowds press, press in closer and closer to Jesus. What Zacchaeus did is Zacchaeus made a little extra effort. He, he took an effort here. Zacchaeus decided, I've got to see Jesus, and it's going to take effort on my part. It's going to take me doing a little extra, getting outside the crowd, separating myself. So he did. He separated himself from the crowd. See, in climbing a tree, he got a new perspective. He got a different viewpoint. He was able to see what he couldn't see while running with the crowd. Now, that's something that we can take a lesson from today. Because Zacchaeus, 
while in the crowd, couldn't see the Savior. While running with the people, he couldn't see what he longed for. He just longed to catch a glimpse of the Savior. And as long as he was running with the crowd, he wasn't going to. He could look around a corner, he might catch this and that, but he would never catch, capture the fullness of the Savior by running with the crowd. So he had to separate himself. He had to find a way to get somewhere that they weren't in the way. He separated himself from the world. He didn't just want to come and see what everyone else was seeing. He wanted to see the face of Christ. He wanted to see the face of the Savior. So what he did is he climbs the situation that goes on all too much in churches today is we love to come and be a part of the crowd. It's almost ironic that today we're unable to be together in person solely on the fact that the snow is falling. Everything is just piling up around us, but we're able to make an extra effort to get on online. Some who may not even have a Facebook, being able to watch. There's, there's things about this that are very similar but in the church today the situation that goes on all too much is that many are just here in the church to see what's going on they're just running with the crowd and they're just trying to catch small glimpses here and there but they're not making an extra effort to separate themselves from the crowd to see christ's face they're not trying to take that extra effort and climb the tree some will just show up and just just to have a place to go Others are here to receive a word from the Lord. They make an extra effort. They, they climb that tree, so to speak. They get themselves in position to see him in his fullness as he passes by. See, this is what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus was so longing to see Christ that he climbed up, separated himself from the crowd so that he could see the fullness of Christ in the midst. He wanted to encounter Christ. We've been talking about these encounters. Zacchaeus wanted to encounter Christ. A few weeks ago, we talked about that an encounter with Christ always is the beginning of that relationship. We talked about how an encounter with Christ puts our past behind us. We talked about that an encounter with Christ was different than the encounters with the world. Last week, we talked about how Jesus did the things that we could not do. And this week, we have to understand for an encounter with Christ to happen, we have to want that. We have to long for that. We have to really want to put in just maybe even just the smallest of extra effort to climb that tree and get in a place where we are positioned to see him in his fullness, to see him in his glory. That is what Zacchaeus ultimately did. He climbed a tree. He got above the crowd. He, he separated himself from the world. To see the face of Christ. I mean, as we begin to climb, maybe it's time that we go higher in that tree today. Maybe you've been standing at the base of the tree and you're still seeing things from the worldly perspective. Maybe it's time to climb. Maybe you need to climb that tree today. You know, as you begin to go higher up that tree, as you begin to climb in God, as you begin to climb in Christ, you climb up to that next level. You find that others around you begin to walk away because they can't see what you see. 
They, they've lost interest because they've seen all they could see and they've walked away because they didn't care to get a different perspective. They didn't care to get a little bit higher. They didn't care to separate themselves from the crowd. They got, the, they got what they wanted. But you wanted more, so you started to climb. You know, the truth is, misery loves company. That's something we can think about today. There are many people in the world today who tell you they want to change in their life. But many times that change is to just bring others along with them in the midst of their misery and their struggle and their, and their downfalls. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have bad days, but what I'm saying is, is that Zacchaeus understood that he could stay miserable and, and look through the crowd and not see what he longed to see. Or he could separate himself from the crowd in a way that he could see the fullness of what he was looking for. See, people, you know, growing up, kids talk with one another at school. They say, we'll be friends till the end. We're going to be friends forever, right? I mean, how many times do we have that conversation? Well, on average, you probably change your whole friend group in about seven years. Very rarely do you have someone who sticks through all thick and thin. I mean, if you count on your hand right now, the amount of friends that you've had over the last however many years of your life, how many of those have been more than 10, 20 years? You could probably count on one hand. And I'm not talking acquaintances. I'm talking about legitimate friendships. Friendships that you know you can count on that person and they know they can count on you. Friendships that you know prayer is happening for one another. You know those things are taking place. We, we typically say friends will, will remain friends to the end. But those are oftentimes the farthest friends from you as time goes by. Why? Why is it? Is it because they separate themselves because they're afraid to be what you're becoming? I mean, that happens within the world today. People separate themselves from you because they see something that they don't want to be. Now, if you're becoming a follower of Christ and you're struggling with that and you're going through those things and people are separating from you for that, they never were your true friend. But understand this, sometimes it takes that separation for us to see the truth of the spectrum that's taking place. When you are coming to a point in your life where there is starting to become a separation between you and the people that you used to hang out with, the people that you used to love, the people that you used to spend time with, it's not that you don't still love them, but you're separating. You're pulling away. Things are just breaking apart a little bit. Folks, hear what I'm saying. Chances are there's a moment in that you can look at where you might be starting to walk in the will of God. And when you start to walk in the will of God, let's go back to the statement I made earlier that his way and his will is foolishness to the world, to those that are around us. So they'll begin to pull away a little bit. They begin to separate themselves just a little bit. And they might still be there, but they don't want to associate necessarily all the time. It starts to fall off here and there. When Moses went up the mountain for 40 days, he did not bring every one of the children of Israel with him. The only one that came along was Joshua. The second time Moses went, he went alone. We can look at that in the scripture. 
The second time that Moses ascended for another 40 days, he went alone. Other people will distract you from being in the position where God wants to reveal to you his plan. He wants to reveal himself to you. But we can't become distracted by those that are with us along the way. Sometimes we must separate ourselves from the world so that we don't have the distractions that keep us from seeing him in his fullness. We need to understand that, I mean, have you ever noticed that people who are very insecure about life are the ones who ask you the most questions about themselves? Not you, but themselves. They ask questions about themselves. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Well, do you think I ought to do this? Now, I'm not saying that that's, I'm not trying to come down on anyone for this. I have moments when I do it myself. So hear what I'm saying, though. It's the same people who will always tell you what you need to do. Many times it's those who question and want advice for their life that will also offer advice for yours. But we must be careful not to be surrounded by too many people in that inner circle, so to speak. Now, I'm not saying friends are a bad thing. I'm not saying that, that friends are a bad thing at all. I mean, we can have those that are close to us. In fact, they can help build and we can grow together in the spirit of God. But hear this this morning. Friends, I want to tell you, eventually we become people pleasers. Eventually we think we have to please those around us. Eventually we start trying to please them rather than please the Savior. We start trying to please the world and we create for ourselves problems. See, everyone knows when you become a people pleaser and they begin to ask for the things they want. When you become a people pleaser, they begin to ask you for the things that they want. And they expect those things, but everybody also knows that you can't please everyone all the time. But we become people pleasers rather than God pleasers. And no matter how good the intentions of our friends might be, the advice that people start pounding you with, sometimes advice from too many people will have us running around in circles and we will never understand where God wants us to be. Because we've sought the advice of so many, and that advice has contradicted itself. One person tells us one thing while another tells us another. And by the end of it, we're confused, and we're left wondering, well, where does God want me? Folks, this book right here has what God wants you to do in it. It gives you every direction. See, even if you're making that effort to climb the tree, make sure that you're not coming down just for anyone. But Jesus comes over and says, come down from the tree, take me to your house and feed me. Let's go. Because Jesus wants to have that moment with Zacchaeus. And see, had anyone else asked Zacchaeus for that, maybe he went. You know, maybe he's a people pleaser. Maybe somebody says, hey, let's go to your house for dinner. He comes down and he goes. And then Jesus passes by and he's not in the tree. Well, then he misses the encounter that he so desperately longed for. See, he separated himself from the world, and as the world walked away, he remained true to where he was so that he could see the Christ. See, too much advice will move you out of the place where God wants you to be. People continually try. They may mean well. I'm sure they might. But 
people will try to hound you with advice. See, there's a place in time where uh, a man or a woman of God can be where they receive the blessings God intends for them. You and I can be in a moment where God has designated for us to receive a blessing. But if we're too wrapped up in the things that others are asking of us, if we're too wrapped up in the advice others have given, maybe we miss the moment when he passes by. So understand, we must be where he needs us to be. We must be in that place where the blessing is to come. See, the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And, and the word also tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding or the understanding of others. People will try to convince you that they know what they're talking about. I've been there. We've done this. I've talked about Saul's armor a few times. Saul's armor was fitted for Saul, not for David. Had David gone into battle in Saul's armor, it's likely he would have failed because the armor was too big. It was, it was too much for David. It's the same story here. The advice of others, even if it comes through experience, that is an armor that was fitted for them and maybe not ready for you. Maybe not fitted for you. Maybe this circumstance under God's guidance and provision is completely different. But they see it in their eyes and their understanding. We see it in our eyes and our understanding. And God's saying, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in me. Trust in me for everything and and I'll direct your paths, just trust in me. So we see Zacchaeus. Now, you can be told to be here or there. Somebody maybe told him he should have climbed down from the tree, run to the front of the line, be in this place, be in that place. Maybe people are telling you that God is doing this or that in your life. Maybe they're trying to tell you what the plan for your life is. But the Bible tells me to let God be true. It also tells me that man is a liar. Fear is a liar. Life sometimes can be a liar when we're not living it according to him. But when we live it according to him, he is our life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we need to be ready for that moment that he passes by. We need to be in that moment. I've seen a number of posts over the last few days, people saying, I wish people were so prepared for the kingdom of God as they are for a snowstorm. Well, folks, it's literally about becoming that in your life today. To be prepared for what God is doing. To be prepared for what he is bringing to you, the blessings and all of these things. Recognize that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And recognize this. He is passing by. He has designated the moment you will see him face to face. He has designated that time. Be sure you're putting the effort in to get there. See, thank God we are not just limited to what people say that we are. Thank God that we are not just limited to what we used to be. It's, it's high time that we start to realize who we are and whose we are in Christ. That it's not what we used to be. It's who we are right now because of what Christ has done for you. It's when we realize that we are who God says we are. It's when we realize that he created us and he has a purpose for us and because he tells us we are this or we are that, then we are that for sure. I'm not anything more than what God has designated me for. 
I'm not anything more than who he has called me. And who I am in him is everything I need to be. Unfortunately, I struggle and I try to find ways to, to make it work for me. I struggle and I try to become something that he never intended me to be. But who I am in him is who I need to be. 100%. See, we're not just limited to what people say about us. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a man who had cheated the system, who had what he wanted, and Zacchaeus was trying his best to destroy them. At least that's the way they viewed it. But Zacchaeus was a man that really wanted to see Jesus. See, thank God we're not limited to that. We're, we're talking about knowing who to share your dreams with, who to pray to, who to, to come to in the midst of our struggles. I mean, there's some things you need to go at alone in this world. But you're never alone. He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. See, somebody might talk you out of receiving what God has in store for you because you've opened up to them about who you think he's leading you to be. And they're saying, well, no, that's, that doesn't make sense. This is my understanding of what you're trying to tell. If the Lord's leading you to do something, then just follow what he's showed you. Follow him to where he's leading you. The children of Israel went into battle in Exodus 17. Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the mountain. Now, understand, we've all heard this story probably, and we will go over this at some point again. But it, it says in verse 11 of Exodus 17, that, so it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. When he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. And it says, but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. When the children of Israel went into battle, Moses took Aaron and Hur, took them up to the top, and he overviewed everything that was there. And as long as his hands were in the air, victory was Israel. But at times his arms got tired. But as long as they supported his arm, they got in line with him. They didn't offer advice and say, hey, you're tired. Let's just call it a day. No, they held his hands because he knew what he needed to do. And they did as well. They jumped in line with him. They were right there to help. They were in the midst of a battle. And every time that his hands grew tired, he began to put them down. But the Israelites were victorious because of those who surrounded Moses, supporting him in his time of need. Folks, those are the true friends that we have in life. Those that will support us in the midst of what the Lord has called us to do. Maybe they don't understand why, but they're going to support us anyway. If everyone would have been at the top of the mountain with Moses, they would have begun to criticize him. They would have told him that they should have just stayed in Egypt. But instead, Moses knew who he could count on. He knew who his true friends were, and he took them with him to the top of the mountain. And they just fell right in line with the plan that was set before them. Folks, that's the church we need today. We need those who are ready to hold the hands of Moses in the midst of the battle. Those who are ready to step in line and do what they know the Lord is leading done because that person is in touch with the Lord. Think about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha, in the final stages of Elijah's ministry, 
He took Elisha with him. Why? Because he knew Elisha would do double what he did. He trusted the Lord. He knew that he had to pass this mantle down and that the, the protege, so to speak, was going to do more. And he certainly did. He performed twice the miracles. David has his warriors, his, his chief men, and, and, and his three mightiest men. And there was this inner circle, and he had that till the bitter end. Paul had Silas, Barnabas, and, Tim, and Timothy. Jesus had 12 disciples, but we recognize at certain moments he only took three. Folks, there's that inner circle that you know you can trust. Those that you know will fall in line with everything. There are those that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Sure, you might have your acquaintances. You might have a, a group of decent friends, but there's some who you trust to do exactly what they need to do in the times that you are in need. You find as you go and you climb and you get deeper into the study, you get deeper into your relationship with God. As you go deeper in the kingdom of God, separation from some of these groups will begin. Separation from the worldly groups will happen. Those who are not on board for what the Lord is trying to do in your life will slowly back away and pull themselves off of the circumstance. There's a separation not only of people who you thought were your friends, but a separation of the things that you used to do, the things that used to hold you back from being what God wanted you to be. See, look at the difference between a, a hiker and, a, and an avid mountain climber. A leisurely hiker might go out on a trail for a day, might brave certain elements here and there but you know I need a nice day I need everything to be set just exactly like it needs to be I'm going to go walk a couple miles on a flat trail it just seems like the right thing to do but then you have that avid climber who doesn't care about the conditions or the circumstances their goal is to defeat the mountain I mean look at those that climb Mount Everest the, the, the conditions they put themselves through just to get to the top they want to make it to the end you compare those two, where to be the climber, folks? Where to be the avid mountain climber in the midst of the kingdom who is striving and pushing and trying to get ourselves to a place where we recognize 100% who God is and what he's trying to do in our lives. See, there are certain things which if we are to grow spiritually, that, that we are going to have to leave them along the side of the trail. Certain things will have to be left behind We've got to set them aside or else they will cause, they will be hindrances. They will hold us back. They will be things that keep us from achieving where God would have us to go because we've allowed that thing to have power over us and hold us back. Some things that we carry in this life are nothing but dead weight. Some things that we carry in this life are just holding us back from being what we need to be. Some things are keeping us from climbing that tree. They're keeping us from climbing that thing. And there are many of us who are ready to go to that next level and we're standing at the base of the tree. We want to get that glimpse of Jesus, but we're still holding on to the dead weight. We're not really wanting to let it go right away. All we got to do is just set it aside. Climb. Climb with what he gave us and recognize that when we get there, we'll see exactly what we need to see. See, there's that encounter we're ready to climb up the tree, get a new glimpse, a new perspective. 
but we're carrying those things that are keeping us from reaching our potential. That thing that Zacchaeus carried was his tax collectorship. He wanted to, uh, you know, but he, he had this desire to see Jesus. And he climbs the tree, separates himself from the crowd, and Jesus comes by and says, come, I'm going to your house. In that moment, his life changed. He says, I want to give half of my possessions to the poor. Zacchaeus, being a tax collector, would have been a rich man. He wants to give half his possessions to the, to the poor. Not only that, though, look at the change that is made in Zacchaeus. He says, not only will I give half my possessions to those who are in need, I will pay back four times what I have taken. From others. If I have wronged anyone, extorted them for money, I will pay it back four times what I took. Folks, this man was willing to give away everything after an encounter with Jesus. He just wanted to see Christ. Not only did Christ allow him that moment, but he also stepped in and said, Come, let's dine. Let's have a let's have a meal. And maybe you're not in a tree today, but you're standing inside waiting on that knock that we hear about in Revelation. When Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I would come in and dine with him and, and he with me. See, the reality of this life that we're living, folks, we're standing in that moment. We're in the moment. We're right before the moment that is set by God for us to have that blessing that's passing by. Are we going to stand true to the end? Are we, going to, are we going to do like Zacchaeus and climb that tree so that we can get a, a glimpse of the Savior? As he passes by, he says, come, let's go. I want to have dinner with you. I want to change your life. I want to bring you into an encounter with me that will change you forever. You'll want to give everything away. You'll want to change who you are. Instead of taking from others, you'll give freely. You'll give back what you've taken and you will... Follow me. When Jesus walked that road in Jericho that day, he had one man in mind. He wanted to save Zacchaeus and his household. And maybe this is your road. Maybe he's calling out to you today. And he's saying, I want to save you and your house. I want you to hear the truth of who I am. I just need you to climb that tree so I can see. I just need to see that you're putting in the effort to find me. I need to see that you're, you're climbing the tree. You're making yourself available. You're, you're separating yourself from the world. And it will happen over time. And folks, it'll be the best blessing you ever got. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. I hope it finds you well today. I hope you find peace in him today. I hope you feel encouraged by him today. And I hope you take a moment to just ask the Lord to come in. Behold, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone would open the door, he would come in and sup with me and they with him. He will change your life if you let him. Don't fear separating yourself from the things around you. Don't fear separating yourself and leaving those things along the trail as you climb the mountain to where he is. Let go. And don't fear when you're alone. Because those are some of the moments where he speaks directly to your heart. We'll close in prayer. If there's anything you need today, let us know. We'll be praying for you. I know there are many who are struggling and, and hurting today, but folks, we've got a God who loves you and wants to hear from you. 
Be, don't be afraid to ask him for what you need today. We'll close things out this morning in prayer. If you do have to get out and around on the roads, please be safe. It is continuing to snow. Um, I know there was probably about six inches when I got here this morning, maybe uh, a little more than that now. I haven't been out. But please be safe if you do have to get out on the roads. The main roads are pretty covered right now. Um, but if there's anything that can be done for you that you need, just let us know. We'll be praying for you. Please be praying for us. Again, no evening services this evening. Um, we want you to stay safe and stay warm at your homes. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to come together again on Wednesday. But let's close in prayer this morning. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity once again to uh, come around your word. Lord, I pray that you would be blessed and glorified in the midst of this time. Lord, help us to take a lesson from the life of Zacchaeus. Help us to recognize that we too can climb, separate ourselves, to see what we need to see, Lord. But help us to also hurriedly come down and, and sup with you when you ask. Lord, I pray that you would help us to work uh, to see you today in the midst of the storms we're facing. Father, we do pray for those that are out and about in this weather. I pray that you would just keep them safe. Lord, I pray you be glorified in our lives as we go about our way, as we seek to do as you'd have us to do. Help us to be the example that you've called us to be. Go with us, lead us, and protect us today. Show us your glory wherever we may be. We pray these things in your holy, precious, and wonderful name. Amen. Do a Thank you for joining us for our services here on the Newland Christian Church daily devotional podcast this is our weekend service you're welcome to join us we have sunday school at 10 a.m service at 11 on sunday mornings sunday evenings we meet at 6 p.m and on wednesday evenings we meet at 6 p.m every service is also streamed live on our facebook page you can get more information about newland christian church at newlandchristianchurch.com or facebook.com slash newland christian church hope you have a blessed day in the lord